You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey, what's up, Next Levelers? Have you heard? NLE is on the move. December 3rd, 4th, and 5th, we're coming to West Palm Beach, Florida, baby. The same powerful program that has brought so much freedom to so many people is going to be in sunny Florida in December. Are you kidding me? It's still not for snowflakes, and you may still get offended, but I promise you, your next level is waiting for you. If you're interested, check out themichaelmcintyre.com and get registered today. Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Hello, this is Brianna McIntyre, your host again with the Next Level Podcast. And today I am so honored to be here with Lindsay Bryson. Lindsay did NLE in June of 2021 and she is the founder of The Lovely Ministries, and it's an amazing ministry, and I'm so excited for you all to hear about it. Her heart is to encourage and empower people to rise up and be the bride that God has um, called forth at this time. So, Lindsay, if you can give us a little intro, tell us about yourself, that would be great. Yeah, um, like you said, my name is Lindsay Bryson. Um, I have lived um, in Dallas most of my life. I was born and raised here and um, have ventured off a little bit, but I've always returned to my roots and um, I'm married to my boyfriend for life, uh, Josh, and we've been married for almost 12 years now and have three beautiful children. And um, like Brianna mentioned, I am the founder of Lovely Ministries. And we are a ministry that focuses on women that work in the sex industry. Wow. Well, I know that you have a very full life. Obviously, you have you're married and you have three kids. And so how do you balance all of these things? I know that's people are always wondering what that looks like. And, and the fact that you are um, just so heavily involved and um, outwardly focused in the world as a believer with a mission, but you also have this beautiful, thriving family. And so before we dive into what you do and what your mission-minded, uh, out-in-the-world set of things that you are about, I would love to hear about your family and how you keep the, the love alive. You know, it's really interesting. I think having a relationship with the Holy Spirit is such a beautiful thing because he loves to keep us in balance. And so when you're getting too far over on one side, he will always gently like lead you back into a healthy way of living. And it is an abundant life. And so there's been seasons where I've really slowed down. I've been in ministry since I was 15. I'm 35 now and um, not full time, of course, when I was 15, but I mean, I have been really running hard after the Lord and everything he's called me to and put in my heart since a young age. And 
So when I actually, when I found out I was pregnant with my first, I cried because I, I didn't want to stop running hard. Mm-hmm. I was traveling all over the U S at the time and just doing like these wild and crazy God adventures. And, um, I was like, I don't want to slow down. And it was a beautiful season of slowing down. Of course, that, that feeling didn't last long at all. And when you, anybody that has had a child can relate like the second they're born, like every selfish ambition, like flows up flies out the window because you're so in love and so I slowed down a bit with her and then with my second I slowed down again and then with my third um I heard very clearly from the Lord you're not to slow down I want you to run really hard and you're going to take him everywhere with you wow so I start you know I um travel some for ministry uh, around the U.S. usually and so I did I just started taking him with me everywhere. And I didn't, we do outreaches monthly. And I think I missed one, mm-hmm. one hour because wow. I had just been postpartum. And after that, I was still like, I just knew that that was what God called me to in that yeah. season. So I think first and foremost, just having a value system of saying like, my family comes first, mm-hmm. that's negotiable. If I see that suffering, then I'm pulling away. Yeah. Um, but if you have that in place, it's, it's not hard to fall away from. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, we just make it work. My, I'm really blessed that I have a husband that's so supportive and really champions me in my crazy <laughs> adventures with the Lord. So. That's beautiful. Well, okay. So I'm sure the audience is like, well, what does she do? Um, so I would love for you to talk about your calling and and then how that developed into lovely ministries and, and what that journey has looked like. And we can dive in further from there. Yeah. I'll try to keep it brief. Cause it, you know, just like any of our lives and our, the callings God has, it's usually like a very long journey. Yes. There. And I'm still, I am still in journey. I feel like I have definitely not arrived. Um, but when I was 17, I found out about the issue of human trafficking And it gripped me. I mean, it just rocked my world. I just couldn't think about anything else. And I just knew that God had called me to do something about it. And so I carried that with me for the next, you know, four or five years. I was just about to go into college. And I remember like trying to sew into different ministries overseas that were doing something about it, but I didn't realize it was an issue here. Mm. And I graduated college and I was like, okay, I had just gotten married and I knew that I was going to be in Dallas for a season and I wasn't going to Cambodia, you know, to rescue children over there anytime soon. I knew that, but I was like, I know that this has to be happening here. So this was about 11 or 12 years ago. And so like any <laughs> scholar, I went to my friend, Google, of course. <laughs> Uh, sex trafficking and DFW, like just seeing who de- did anything about it. And around that time, it was just becoming a buzzword. We, we were all just finding out about the tragedies of it. And so most of the organizations that were doing something about it were raising awareness, which is what was needed at the time. But I was frustrated because I was like, I know that I'm supposed to be doing something hands on with these women. So the Lord just orchestrated beautifully this relationship with this woman who had been a stripper 
and had gotten radically saved. And when she was dancing, she said to herself, like not knowing the Lord at all, or, you know, anything that he had called her to do said, one day I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to rescue these women. Wow. So years later, she, that's what she did. She kind of pioneered strip club ministry Mm -hmm. and she took, um, you know, just a vested interest in me mm-hmm. and took me under her wing and she would take me out and um, show me how to talk to these club managers and ask them if we could come in. And we would take like, I think one of the very first times I ever went in, we took a big Thanksgiving meal to all these women and to not just strip clubs, but brothels too, because believe it or not, there are brothels everywhere in Dallas and all over the United States. Um, the law enforcement, for whatever reason, looks the other way around. Um, so that's what started my um, involvement in strip club ministry. And she told me something that really stuck with me. She was like, everybody is buzzing about the word human trafficking, but it's about so much more than that. Mm. It's about sexual exploitation and the fact that we have a culture that celebrates sexual exploitation. And so she's like, it's get your head out of, you know, women in cages, which is a reality in some countries, but she's like, here, it looks so different Mm. and have discovered that through the years over the past decade of doing that, because now we do have these beautiful relationships with several strip clubs in DFW and uh, we serve them. We go in at least monthly. We have just these beautiful relationships with these managers and bouncers and girls that work there. But we are also on the streets with women that are forced into prostitution. And mm-hmm. so that is our modern day form of human trafficking here in the US. And um, it's just, it's really been the Lord at the school of Holy Spirit on how to minister to these women, how to evangelize them, how to serve them uh, physically, meet their needs spiritually. Um, we really, a lot of people ask me when they find out what I do, like you're going in to get them out. Right. And I feel, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And we do yeah. do that. Right. But, uh, I feel like the mandate on my life is to have these women encounter Jesus, the mm-hmm. father's love. And so that's like our first and foremost mandate. We are going in with that, the heart of the father. And so they, they're getting left by us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, truly they're, they're our sisters. They're me and you, mm-hmm. if our life had gone another path. So Absolutely. that's wow. just... In a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like just hearing you talk about it makes me emotional, especially, you know, your mandate is to first show them Jesus, just be Jesus to them and um, love them. And I think that is so lost today with, with people within the church, which is so sad. And people don't know how to look at someone and just that they're a person too. Like it's, there's not that much different going on there. I mean, different circumstances maybe, but 
that's what I'm really getting out of what you're saying, which is amazing. So how, um, how do you best relate in these circumstances? Because I'm assuming you have not like going into these environments was a very new thing for you. So how did you learn to navigate that? And what was that like, that process of getting comfortable um, in this situation and um, just learning kind of this, this non-judgmental love language that you're pouring out to these people? What was that like? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like growing up as a very timid mm-hmm. person and even now I still have to fight fear of man. Probably we all do in some way or another, but you would think, cause I have relationship with evangelists, you know, like, you know, those evangelists that just like are so bold. And like, you think about Todd White, I'm not necessarily a Todd White, you know, when I, I remember first going in and just quivering, like I was so nervous. I'd never been into a strip club before I was raised the church. And, um, so it was really interesting dynamic for me to like step. I I call it because I do trainings, um, with the local church across the U S uh, different churches will invite me in to, to train them on how to do this in their city. And so I always am like, it's time to put on your bold shoes. And that's kind of how I feel yeah. about it is just like putting on the armor of God and the Holy spirit. And he makes you courageous. Yeah. Um, but going past that, just realizing, like I said, that these are our friends. And so it's so fun because we go back when we're in the strip clubs, at least we go back in the dressing room with them while they're getting ready for work. And so a lot of them are putting on makeup and, um, the Lord made me a very girly Mm -hmm. feminine woman already. So there's a lot of, um, mutual, (laughs) you know, I just go hang out with them back there or I'll be like, can I do your hair or, um, you know, just really getting on each other's level talking about, we found out that a lot of them are single moms just working to try to make ends meet and so um yeah they're they're very similar to us but it is it has been interesting sometimes I'm like do I belong here but we we belong because we love you know the Lord didn't give us the great commission with any strings attached you know say go if you can relate or (laughs) go with like you feel like it or go if you have the evangelist mantle he just said go yeah well said I feel like (laughs) I needed to hear that um no and you're I I love how you share about just what it looks like because it's not complicated love isn't complicated and and it's reminding me a lot of uh, Bob Goff's mandate of love does you know and you just you show up and you love Um, you were sharing earlier about how you help women out of prostitution. Is that correct? On the streets. Mm -hmm. And how did you learn that? What was that process like? Yeah, nobody really taught me how to do that. (laughs) Um, Probably around four years ago, I started getting visions of us going out on the streets. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll see women, you know, uh, we have a street, if you're not from Dallas, uh, 
if you are from Dallas, you'll know what it is, but there's this section of our city. It's a thoroughfare um, that's just renowned for prostitution. And so when we go down that street or that part of our city, we will see girls walking the streets, but I, I never knew how to approach them, but I started having dreams and uh, finally just started stopping. And uh, we had several just kind of crazy, you know, God encounters with some girls working the streets. So that kind of got our feet wet. Mm -hmm. And then now we take hygiene packs to them. Just over the years, we've learned like in the wintertime, they need hand warmers because mm -hmm. they're working the streets like all night long and freezing there, or we'll take them like hot cocoa or coffee. And then um, in the summertime, they love Gatorade and chips. Who knew? And um, we take them, you know, gum and wipes and things like that, hygienic materials. And so that's, that's kind of like our open door. Yeah. And then trial and error for sure. And, and um, something that can be actually very dangerous for us and them, because many times they'll have their pimp, you know, standing around the corner, uh, keeping eyes on them. They are very well watched because they are a commodity. They are, they wander off or they lose track of their um, possession, you know, which is this, a woman, they, they lose money. So uh, sometimes we, we just have to be really sensitive to that. Yeah. Sometimes we don't get to stop and talk long because we want to make sure they, they are safe and um, we're safe. We don't get followed by anybody home or so it's just been like an interesting thing to navigate, but yeah, the Lord will um, open up a door and, and we'll say, you know, we can get you out of here. It doesn't happen super often, but uh, when it does, we definitely step up to meet that need. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's amazing. And um, I, yeah, I'm just imagining you bringing other people with you. And what is that process like? Is there a training that you do for people and how do you prepare them? Yes. Yeah. I uh, make sure to equip people because it can be a little hairy. <laughs> like it can be very um, much so like throwing people into the fire. And I typically don't take people with me out on the streets that haven't gone with me into the, at least the strip clubs before. And we have kind of a whole process that we walk people through, but we also have a prayer team that stays back and prays the whole time mm -hmm. that we're out. So if people are interested in getting involved with us, that's a great place to start just to kind of see part of what we're doing, get the heart for what we're doing. Yeah. And, but yes, we fully equip people with the training before. Yes. Yeah. So Lindsay, I know you have mentioned about being connected and um, training people in other cities. How did that connection begin? And is Lovely Ministries actively working in other cities? Yeah, um, one of the ways our ministry actually came about was from an organization called the Firebase Movement. And so they have these events all over the nation called Love, whatever your city is. So Love New York, Love Chicago, Love San Francisco, Love Dallas. And so um, Lovely actually came about because of a Love Dallas. And the ministry I was part of 
previously had folded. And so I got asked to do, um, to be a part of this Love Dallas event. And so it's a, what it is, it's a week long intensive of 24 seven prayer, worship and evangelism. And um, missionaries, evangelists from all over come and just kind of descend on a city and they try to meet, you know, every criteria. They go to the tent camps, you know, for homeless men and women and the gallery of mall, they, they go everywhere. And so they asked me to do the ministry to uh, sexually exploited or the outreach to it. And so that launched lovely, just very organically. And then after that, they were like, we have to have you to all these other cities. So that's what I started doing. I started kind of traveling with them. And so um, I'll train, I'll do a training while we're, while we're there. And then um, kind of like, uh, watch me flip burgers. Now, now you're going to flip burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, very hands-on, like now we're going to go out and you're going to have to actually do it as well. And so those have been really wonderful, um, crazy experiences because I'm always going to a city that I don't know very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's awesome about it is we see God show up because I, it's really the scripture about, you know, God being made strong in your weakness. That is it. I have to step back and say like, Lord, you're going to have to take the wheel here because I don't even, I don't have relate. I don't have prior relationships with these yeah. strip clubs with you here. I don't even sometimes know where to find girls working the streets or, um, I just have no, idea, and I don't even know the people that are going to be showing up for the trainings at all. Usually yeah. that's just so beautifully orchestrated. Sometimes it is a little messy, but the fruit so far outweighs the mess. And since we've been doing it, uh, we've launched, uh, you know, long-term outreaches or ministries, whatever you want to refer them to. Um, in other cities. So we have one in Minneapolis and New York city and LA. Wow. That's a big deal. Did you ever imagine that it would grow into this when you began or did you know it was going to, and then there's more, you probably knew. I, I you know, what's interesting is I didn't have a grid for the U S I really didn't feel like the Lord had called me here. I really felt called to the nation. So it's really interesting how he takes your yes and uses it. It's always different than what you think. And, and I think the nations are coming, but I think God's been gracious to me while I'm having small children and kept me local. Yeah. What is that? Um, I mean, you're going into places that I, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but more marginalized places. Um, how does that work with your husband? How has he been in the process? <laughs> How does he feel about this? He is so great because he really does champion me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I, I guess. Like, we, of course, we pray about everything yeah. and every, I feel like God. And there's been times where we pray and we feel a no on something and, you know, we're obedient to that now. And we're obedient to the yeses. Uh, he's definitely, I mean, I've been doing this for a decade now. So he's just kind of like, okay. you know, that's what it is. But um, we do have men coming with us now. We have um, specifically like concealed carriers mm-hmm. that come. So I think that gives him a little more peace of mind sure. about what we do. And 
he, I will like text him throughout the night. He really appreciates, you know, those practical sort of things, but he's been very wonderful when I think about some of the stuff you've done. Yes. Well, that's amazing. And I think it's such an inspiration, honestly, watching that. And, um, I know he loves you so much. And so it's, it's y'all are really cool to observe. Um, okay. So obviously the Holy spirit has played a really big role in, in all of what you do in your pursuits. How have you learned to engage with hearing God's voice on a deeper level in this process? Yeah. I mean, Zachariah four, not by my, not by power, but by his spirit. I mean, that's like the story of my life. I have learned to let go and really just rely on him for everything that I do. Because even when I go in to these places, every time it's different, there's a lot of turnover in these clubs. So I can't rely on any kind of comfort. Mm. Uh, level like I know that it's going to be a certain way it's never a certain way (laughs) like it's always different every time I go and so just giving it to the Lord and I know that sounds so you know cliche but when you're in it you're like wow I really have to rely on you to come through in power and I have to rely on your voice um, on what you want to say to these women, because we do try to really um, use the power of the gospel on display to minister to the women. We, uh, the kindness of the Lord mm-hmm. leads these women to repentance. So we exude a lot of love, you know, and it's just very natural for those that are in love with Jesus. You're usually very loving people anyway. So it's not like, we're trying or putting on a show, but yeah. just to know touched love, but also partnering with the power of the Lord. So we really uh, try to ask the Holy Spirit for each woman that we encounter and prophesy over them, get the word of the Lord for their lives. And so that, you know, takes a relationship with the Holy Spirit and just digging in to him and keeping that connection. I mean, I fast usually uh, the week before as at some point for a length of time, any length of time, just whatever he's showing me so that I am, you know, just on that wavelength with him tapped into who he is and just connecting to him. And, um, because when we see healings and the prophetic released, it's so much easier to share the gospel so much easier. And, um, one of the things that I love to do and I do it a lot now that I have felt like the Holy Spirit showed me to do this. But um, I always ask, have you ever felt the presence of the Lord or presence of God? And because a lot of people in Dallas, I don't know if you feel like this, Brianna, but everybody knows God here. Right. For sure. <laughs> Up in church because it is the Bible Belt. And so most people were raised in church. Yeah. But do they know God? Have they even ever experienced? Like, even though you know God or you're baptized as a kid, like, have you ever experienced what he feels like? And you're like, well, actually, no, I've never felt God's presence 
Yeah. What is that? What is that? Yeah. It's intriguing when you say that. Yeah. So I'll sit there and it's just been so cool every time he comes, he comes every time and his presence will fill the most chaotic spaces and places. I mean, I've been on the side of the road with prostitutes. Um, This certain road is like zoom, zoom, you know, with sirens going and a very party-like atmosphere, especially like on a Saturday night, which is when we usually are out there. And there, without fail, there will be like a bubble wrapped around us Mm -hmm. and we will feel like the wind of the Lord just breeze through and the peace of God, just like a wrapped around blanket every time. I mean, it just, he's so beautiful and how he shows up and how he wants to come um, show up. And so, yeah, I mean, without the Holy Spirit, I would definitely not be doing this because um, I don't really have a whole lot to offer Mm. my own. He makes everything so much easier. I really, what's beautiful about that is I really sense the humility in what you're saying. Um, And you do have so much to offer, but you really, really, I can tell how much you rely on him just how you express that. That's really beautiful. I wanted to, this thought crossed my mind as you were sharing about how, how do you gain entrance? Like, how do you convince someone to let you backstage into the dressing rooms? Um, Cause that seems like that could be kind of a, a difficult task at times. And I'm sure it's different each time and you rely on the Lord. Um, but I, what does that look like? You know, are you like, Hey, I want to just come and talk to them or, you know, to these women or what, what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, well now here in Dallas, we have really great relationship with our clubs and we're, we're like kind of sneak, sneaky undercover, especially in these other cities. I'm like, do not mention the name of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it will not let us in. Right. Um, but we take gifts every time we go. So we just had our Halloween outreach and we dressed up and that was really fun. And we took like back buckets of candy, but you know, we'll take big eyelashes and cupcakes and just anything you can think of. That's really girly. That would appeal to the girls. And so we just say we're a support group for women in the industry. Um, can we bring gifts in? And, you know, a lot of them are very suspicious. Um, mm-hmm. what, what school? And we just want to, you know, just let you know, like, we're here for these women. We know that this can be a really hard industry to work in. And we just want to let them know that they're not alone. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, that sounds cool. And some clubs, I mean, we've, we do not have relationship with every club in Dallas because not all of them are open to that. And that's okay. Yeah. We go when I was in Minneapolis in June, uh, they, I didn't know what to expect. The first club we went in was like pretty much threw us out. Like the bouncers were like, get out of here. (laughs) You know, like they did, they were not having it. And I was like, Oh no, this does not bode well. I hadn't been there for a couple of years. And, um, anyway, so I was just like, not sure what to expect. And the whole it was kind of, um, it felt very different than the last time I had been there because of 
everything that had transpired last summer with George Floyd. And so I was just really not sure what we were going to expect. And the next club we went in, I was, you know, giving my spiel to the manager, <laughs> like, please let us in. And um, he was like, why the heck would I not want you in? Do you want a drink? <laughs> like, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they were so, the next few places I went, they were the same way. They were just so overjoyed to have us in. They really uh, welcomed us with open arms because they were like, our city is in turmoil. This is just what we need. We need people like you here. When can you come back? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. You know, we pray that the Lord would open the doors, Mm -hmm. the right doors and close the the wrong ones. And so, wow, that's awesome. That's so cool because you, you know, I think there's such a balancing act that you, you've learned to do. Um, and it's, it just reminds me of Esther and like learning, okay, what, which way do I go? Like, how do I do this? And how do I, like, you know, you think of the end goal, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm learning from what you're sharing. And, and you, um, I don't want to say craft because it's not crafted and how you do it, but you, you partner with the Holy spirit and how is this outcome going to come about? So earlier you were mentioning that you're a very feminine woman, which anyone who knows you knows that (laughs) about you. And that's, I really admire that about you. Um, And so I I find it so beautiful that you are called to restore the femininity of women with the work that you do. And so what would you tell a younger generation about femininity um, if you could give them a few thoughts of, and encouragement and hope. And um, yeah, what do you feel like they need to hear? I just say embrace it. You know, I think I was telling you earlier that I'm I'm pretty far on the spectrum and, and that's okay if you're not that far on the spectrum. If you're not like me, um, most of my friends would probably describe me as being glamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like love fake eyelashes and high heels and, you know, bright pink lipstick. And I've always been been that way. Actually in fifth grade, I did my science project on which lipstick lasts the longest. And (laughs) I've just always had that bent. Um, That's that's a beautiful way God made me. And Mm -hmm. so as I've gotten older, there was like times in my life, I tried to suppress it to be more palatable to people. And, and as a mom, like I'm, you know, mostly home with my two-year-old right now and I'm, I'm rocking the active wear during the day. I've, I've kind of come, there's seasons where you, uh, get brought down to earth a little bit more than others. Regrounding. Um, but I really love how God created me now. I'm not trying to, um, be more palatable to people anymore. Um, on the flip side, there's nothing wrong with not being like me. And, you know, one of my best friends like doesn't wear makeup ever and she's so beautiful without it. But I think just in, in our culture, we've said um, we really do have a culture that celebrates sexual exploitation. And um, I would say to people, uh, you know, that doesn't, 
do you any favors exploiting yourself? Yeah. And um, it actually defeminizes you because now nobody's looking at you as like this woman mm-hmm. that is to be valued and praised and admired like Proverbs 31, which is really in our heart of hearts, like what we all want. We want to be adored mm-hmm. by someone and valued for our innate abilities, you know, for our, our beauty within, because our beauty will fade eventually, (laughs) you know, uh, the Bible also tells us that. Um, so we've, we've so highly valued, like putting everything out there Mm -hmm. on social media and putting our whole bodies. And in fact, that's dehuman. It's not only dehumanized us and exploited us, but it's defeminized us because um, men aren't looking at our inward heart anymore. They're just looking at us as an object. So that's my that's my two cents for anybody that's listening out out there right now is to just value yourself like you wish your husband would and um, or your future husband would and like God does and how you wish your daughter would value themselves when you have a daughter. That's beautiful. Um, you also, you're sorry, harsh transition, not really harsh transition, but <laughs> like, okay, I have something else to ask you. Um, you, okay. Obviously I just asked you to kind of empower younger women in their femininity, but how would you, what would you tell women who, you know, have a husband and children and a very full life? Like why follow after their dreams or why, you know, how can you have it all in, in that sense of like what God is calling you to do? Um, yeah. And how would you empower, I mean, single women as well. And in, in that process. One of the things I felt like the Lord walked me through is um increasing my capacity mm-hmm. for things and I look back in different seasons of my life and be like man I think I missed out on carrying that because I thought to myself I'm carrying too much and I said no to it mm-hmm. now we can get hear what I'm saying not what I'm not saying we can get on the other side of that and get into unhealthy like caring too much yes Um, so again Holy Spirit is just so crucial in showing you like what to say yes to and what to say no to but God wants to constantly be increasing our capacity for things and when we're like oh I don't want to do that like that's too much that's too tiring like that's you're missing out on the gift of in your life of, of increasing your capacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, he's not going to do it, dump everything all at once on you. Right. Like it's a little bit by a little bit, but you know, that uh, theory of like increasing your stretching your tent pegs. And that was exactly. like a hard pull to do, but he wants to keep doing that, increasing our territory, increasing our Uh, ability to do a lot and do it well that's always my prayer and when I catch myself getting out of grace you know I'm like okay what's happening Lord Mm -hmm. like do you want me to lay something down because I really want to be doing everything I'm doing not just excellently but with the fruit of the spirit (laughs) 
I want to be enjoying my life. Yes. Everything I'm doing like needs to be a joyful experience. Not that it can't be a hard experience, right. but it needs to be a joyful aspect. I don't need to be frustrated and grunting and disgruntled doing it all, you know? Yeah. That's very well said. Um, yeah, I'm, I think that is such a great way to put it about capacity and we should be able to ever increase with him in that. So Lindsay, if anyone wants to get involved or get involved or, uh, support lovely ministries, where would they go to do that? Yeah, uh, you can go to lovelyministries.com. We actually are about to, well, we just launched on Sunday um, our toy, annual toy drive. So every year we sponsor about 150 children of single moms that work in the sex industry. Uh, we sponsor their Christmas. And so uh, we would love to have you walk alongside us as we do that. You can go to our Instagram as well, lovely DFW, uh, because it's a big undertaking. We actually have a pretty small team compared to like, you know, giant worldwide ministries. And so, but God does the most incredible things through this toy drive that we do every year. And we get to see these women for the rest of the year after that, we see so many people um, come to the Lord because of what we're doing. So yes, please look us up and follow our journey as we do that. Awesome. And why, um, why the name lovely? Song of Solomon. Um, I am dark, but you call me lovely. Mm. And just, I mean, of course, like we prayed through it and that's just what the Lord kept showing me because these girls know that they're dark. But God says, otherwise, you're beautiful. You have no, no flaw in you. Wow. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and to hear more. And um, listeners, if you want to find out more, go to lovelyministries.com or lovelydfw for Instagram. It'll be in the show notes. She said it right. <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> But anyway, thank you so much, Lindsay. We really appreciate you coming on here. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com.